0: I want to do a brief recap before I get into um, what I'm going to get into here. So far, we have heard that God wants to change our clothes in exchange for our ashes that we put on ourselves. God wants to give us a crown of beauty. We've also heard Greg talk about the painful stress of our just-getting-by, fragmented, crazy, hectic lifestyles and how the beauty of our lives have been shattered because of that. And we also learned that there is a center to beauty whenever you're making beautiful spaces, that there has to be a centerpiece that holds all of the beauty together. And Greg said last week, if you didn't hear it, get the tape, it was wonderful, but he basically said that the center is the kingdom of God. So we are going to talk about today the center of that center, and the center of that center is the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're going to go about it a slightly different way. So with that, I would like to title this, Remember the Forgotten Beauty. Remember the forgotten beauty. Lord, your word says that um, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. Um, I just declare that right now. I declare that not wise words, not anything that I've written or anything that just innately of me will get this across, but it has to be your spirit. So we pray that your spirit that is already here would just completely open all of our hearts to what you have to say, Lord God. And I pray that as a result of this word, that we would be one step closer to being the people that you've called us to be. And I just thank you for your presence right now in Jesus name. And we all say it. Amen. All right. So when we talk about forgetfulness, one term that comes to mind is the term amnesia, amnesia. Now amnesia usually happens when a person's memory is disturbed such that some of the memory that they have may be lost either temporarily or permanently. You have some cases where some people can remember um, maybe up to a certain day but they can't remember anything before. Um, after that, then you have some people that can remember um, basically how to breathe but I mean they actually have to be retaught how to learn, how to walk, how to talk. Um, so there's varieties of different um, amnesia. One particular variation of amnesia that we want to talk about is dissociative amnesia. And this usually is used to refer to the inability to recall information that usually comes from the results of a stressful or traumatic event in a person's life. In this situation, the person can think, the person can remember, the person can learn, but they completely or partially forget their identity. They forget who they are. So those are the kinds of um, situations where you see people saying, you know, hey, I don't know who I am. What's going on? You know, is this my car? I don't know. Those kinds of movies, Memento, different things, um, those are movies that have people that really don't necessarily know who they are. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to share a story about someone who suffered from a form of amnesia and this story is probably a lot f- probably familiar to you. When you see it, you're probably gonna notice it instantly. And that story is called The Lion King. How many people here have seen The Lion King? If you have a child or a childlike adult, chances are you've seen this at least five times. I am a childlike adult, so people around me, they have seen it five times. So this is one of my favorite movies. Um, we all kind of know the general storyline here. There is a cub named Simba, and this cub Simba, isn't he cute? He wants to be king. He, he wants to be king so bad that he is just dancing all over the kingdom, just dancing all over the hippopotamuses and all that kind of stuff, because he can't wait to be king. He's excited, he's expected about being a king and standing on Pride Rock. Pride Rock is where um, the royal people stand and they watch over the land. And so that's what he wants to do. And one thing that he prides is at this stage, more than anything else, is his relationship with his father, Mufasa. He loves Mufasa. Mufasa spends all of this time basically trying to show him the ropes about being a ruler, what it means to judge rightly, what it means to protect, and so that is what he's meant for. So his father is teaching him the ways of being a king. And unfortunately, a tragedy happens, and the tragedy is that Mufasa dies. And Mufasa actually dies at the hands of this nefarious character. Scar. Even the name just Scar. But but he orchestrates Mufasa's death and he actually convinces Simba that it's his fault. Run away, Simba. Run away and never return. It was scary to me back in the day. But anyway. So... Simba basically just drops his heritage, just drops his future, and he basically says, I can't do this. So he runs away, and he's almost left for dead. And he comes across two interesting individuals, Timon and Pumbaa. Now, these, I think, are some of the coolest characters in the movie. I love them. And so he, he grows up with them, and they're outcasted from their relative communities, too, you know. Um, Timon, I think he's just arrogant. And Pumbaa just plain stinks. So nobody wants to be around them. So they just all get together and say, hey, let's just chill, man. Hakuna Matata. It's like, what? So it means no worries. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Come on, y'all, if y'all know it. It's our problem-free philosophy. Come on. I knew y'all saw it, yes, give yourselves a hand, all right. So he's living this life and it seems all good, but there's a quiet despair that exists in Simba. It comes back whenever Nala, his friend, comes back and says, hey, Scar's really taking over the land and he's, he's making it really, really bad. All these hyenas are coming back in. Would you come back and take the rain like you're supposed to? And he's like, no, I'm chilling. You know, Hakuna, Hakuna Matata, nothing really matters. It doesn't really matter. But he feels despair, and the despair also comes out when he lays up at the stars and he, he, he's reminded of his father and what his father told him about the stars. And even though his friends laugh about it, he feels just this despair because even though he's supposed to be living this hakuna matata life, something's missing, something's wrong. And then enters another character, and this character is Rafiki. Rafiki is a baboon who knew his father very well. So he knows the potential. He knows what Simba's really meant for. So he goes back when he finds that Simba's alive, and he has some very interesting news to tell him, almost impossible news, that his father's alive. And so this clip is when Simba finds out that his father's alive. It's on his way. <laughs> I know it's there, really. That's not my father, it's just my reflection. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> we're having a technical difficulty we're having a technical difficulty okay want to try that again all right well that part that you just saw is so important to me (laughs) um Basically the part that you, that, you, that you would have seen is a part where Simba goes and he runs to this pond. And um, Simba's like, that's not my father. That's just my reflection. And so, you know, the baboon is like, Luke <laughs> I know I'm great, right? All right. So he does that and then Mufasa like, just comes out of these clouds, like. And then he's like, you know, And he he says some interesting words. He says, Simba, you've forgotten me. And Simba's like, no, no, Dad. No, how could I ever forget you? He said, you have forgotten who you are, and so you have forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you've become. You must take your rightful place in the circle of life. And Simba's like, no, I can't go back. I can't be what I used to be. And then Mufasa says, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. Now, every time I see that part, usually I just really tear up and cry. And I I mean, I saw this movie in 1994, and ever since then, I've cried at that part. And I think the reason why is because of the content of this sermon. So that's why it's really kind of important to me. At any rate, I want to focus on the things that Mufasa said to Simba. And basically, what he says is that Simba has forgotten him. And so of course, Simba is going to protest it. It's like, "Father, I miss you all the time. I mean, I think about you when I lay down in the grass, and, and I, I, I remember our walks, I remember your teachings. I remember all this stuff. How could you say that I forgot you? How could you even think that I forgot you? I love you." But Mufasa says, and this is very important: you have forgotten who you are. And so you have forgotten me. See, Simba always missed his dad, really missed his dad, but he forgot something. He forgot something extremely important. He forgot who he really was. In his despair over losing his father, in his despair of being, thinking that he was the one that actually caused his father's death, he fell into despair and he forgot that he was the son of a king. He forgot that he was the son of somebody powerful, somebody who was to rule with authority, somebody who was to rule with a a lance of peace, somebody that was willing to bring rightness to the jungle. He forgot all of that. He believed the liar, Scar. He believed Scar and he believed he had to just trade back all of his royal heritage in order to run away. Simba was meant to shoulder responsibility. He was meant to display the glory of the royal heritage of his family, just like his father. But he bought into the lies that his actions could actually strip him of his proud heritage. And as a result, he lived far below what he was meant to live. He lived in despair, and he didn't live up to what he was actually created and ordained to be. Now, I think about this, and I wonder if in some way, the same thing can be said for us. The bottom line is, as we've seen in these past couple of weeks, we live in a state of deep fragmentation and despair where we don't really know where we're coming or going sometimes. Some of this might relate to you. Maybe you're one of those people, you work hard all day, and then because you work hard all day, you don't have any time or energy to really spend with your loved ones, so then you're irritable, and they're irritable, and then you just say, okay, well, I hope I can make it till I go to bed, and then you go to bed just so you can get up and do it the next day. Or maybe you look in your checkbook and it's like, hey, there's nothing here. And so you have to kind of scramble and manage and try to do all this stuff. And at the same time, you're not even looking at your personal health. Maybe you relate to this. Maybe you cry yourself to sleep because you think about the despair of your life. You think about how out of control everything is and you have to wake up and endure it the next day. The fragmentation that we experience is enjoyed and orchestrated in some way by the enemy of our souls to forget who we are. And we'll go through these situations and we'll be in all of this deep anxiety and deep pain and then we will be like, God, where the heck are you? I am hurting. I miss you. These bills need to be paid. My my, my son is on on crack. I need help. Um, My wife, I'm having problems with my wife. Where are you? And even when we come together in here, even when we symbol together in here, some of those same nagging thoughts can be in here. God, where are you? If people knew how hurting I am right now, God, where are you? If people knew how destitute I am right now, God, where are you? If people knew how bad I feel about myself right now, God, where are you? Could this mean, brothers and sisters, that we have forgotten something? Could this mean that we have forgotten something very important, just like Simba did? I'm thinking so. But what have we forgotten? I believe that one of the things that we have forgotten is we have forgotten who we are. What I mean is we have forgotten that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. But here's the thing, if we forget who we are in some way that is the same thing or is likened unto forgetting who God is. Now, why is that? Let's go to scripture, Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals, and over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. My brothers and sisters, we are all, every one of us in here is created in the image of God, the priceless image of God. It doesn't matter where we are in life. It doesn't matter how much money we have or don't have. It doesn't matter where we live or don't live. It doesn't matter what skin color or whatever we are. We are all priceless and beautiful. Because we are in the image of God. This is what we have to understand. Because God is beautiful. If we are created in the image of God, that means that we are beautiful. Think about it. If we are created in the image of the most beautiful Holy One, wouldn't that mean that some of that beauty would rub off on us? If we are truly in God's image, which we are. We were created to be beautiful ones beautiful ones that walk through this earth, and we recognize beauty, and we share beauty, and we expand beauty through reconciliation, through love. We, we do these things because this is who we are. We are created in the image of our loving, beautiful God. But we have forgotten that image. We've forgotten what that means, that we are raised, that we are in that image. Another thing that we have forgotten, we've forgotten our calling. We were meant to be people to have royal authority and ability. We were meant to rule our lives with dignity and to respect. We were not meant to be slaves to the alarm clock. We were not meant to be slaves to the next paycheck. We were meant to be people that are able to remember our past and and, and bring up the great things from those histories and then brainstorm beautiful possibilities for the future. These are the things that our beautiful brain was created to do. That's why we have things like the renovation conference that's happening November 10th and 11th. It's because we want to demonstrate God is beautiful and God has created us beautifully. And once we learn how to use this stuff, we can create unprecedented beauty in the world. We can train ourselves how to love one another. So if you wanna just check that out, check the bulletin on that, the the, um, renovation. We are created to show the glory of God and reign over the earth with peace and justice and love, just like our creator does. See, this is the thing we have to understand. Us being in the image of God means that we can act God-like. So here's the thing. If we really believe that God is loving and God is righteous and that God is beautiful and that God is freedom, he, he he is this free power that just explodes and brings healing, shouldn't some of that be within us? because we are created in the image of God. No other beings on earth can do what we can do. Build buildings, heal sicknesses, help people. No other beings on earth can do what we can do. But something else has happened. We've forgotten our image, we've forgotten our calling, and we've finally forgotten that there is an enemy that wants us to forget. There is an enemy that wants us to have this amnesia. We have believed lies from an enemy, just like Simba did. And just like Simba, we have caught a form of amnesia, a a sense of this falling into despair. And and that's the thing, we know it. Think about it, when you are in that existential pain, when you have to hit that clock to try to go to that job one more time, and when you have to go through this chaos, your, your soul cries out, I'm meant for more than this. This isn't how life should be. Life should not be this crazy. And so the craziness comes out in different forms. It comes out in forms like it really is more important to me to work 80 hours than to spend life with my loved ones. It comes out in I really am only what I wear. I am really only what I drive. Those forms of the craziness. And then what we do finally is we basically say, God, even though we're created in your image, we don't want that beautiful crown. We will take the ashes on upon ourselves, the ashes of despair, the ashes of consumerism, the ashes of thinking that just being, you know, wearing the right clothes is what you need to do. All of those ashes, we drape ourselves with them and we live in despair just like Simba did. Now, how do we recover it? How do we recover a sense of us being a true royal priesthood? How do we really get back to understanding who we are supposed to be in Christ? Let's go to Scripture again. John 14, 6 through 7. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. See, what we have to understand is that Jesus is the center of the center of the center. He is the one that came and he showed us the Father's loving heart when he died for us, for God-forsaken death on a cross. And he raised that we might have new life. He came to show us that God is love, perfect, unconditional, unsurpassable love towards people who do not deserve it. He came to demonstrate what human life could be like. He walked in relational healing. Where he walked, healing take place. That's why he was able to declare, hey, I have come to set the captives free. And you could see people being free wherever he was. That's, where, that's why children would love to play with him. And that's why prostitutes and sinners would want to be around him. Because in the midst of him was freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But he also told us the key and the key is in John 15, 4 through 8. I am the vine. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Remember how Jesus said, this is how they will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Bottom line, we cannot do that apart from Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we cannot bear the fruit that we were created to bring forth. We are to walk in the authority and the power and the name of Jesus. But how can we do that if we don't abide in Jesus? I remember there was a story about this um, seven sons of Sceva. And um, y'all might know this story. Um, they tried to c- cast some demons out. And they're like, hey, you know, we, we cast y'all out in the name of, you know, the, 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 the God that Jesus and Paul preached. And they say, you know, Jesus we know, And Paul we know, but who are you? We don't know you though. And so they just rend them and they tear them up. Basically what I'm saying is this, it's like how can we try to have the power of Jesus when we don't have the presence of Jesus? The church is built up on the presence of Jesus in communion, the presence of Jesus in prayer, the presence of Jesus as we meditate on him. There was a word that was given to me that I shared with the annual um, covenant retreat covenant group leaders retreat and the word was this we cannot be who we really are until we know who God really is we cannot be who we really are until we know who God really is the thing is once you understand who God really is and then once you understand who Jesus is because he is God and then you understand that Jesus is the forerunner for all of us that he died so that we could be a new humanity then we start putting two and two together it's like wait a minute If God is beautiful and Jesus is beautiful, maybe that means that I'm beautiful. If Jesus really came to show us the way to live, maybe those unsurpassable loving things he did, maybe I can do those. Maybe the way he said, take, 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 don't be anxious for anything. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Maybe I can walk in that kind of peace. Here's the thing. We cannot live the beautiful life without the beautiful God. We can live a simplified life, we can live a less stressed life, but we cannot live the beautiful life without the beautiful God. It would be like us trying to have a beautiful building without a beautiful center, you just can't have it. And the idea is for us to become more like Jesus. So let me, let me ask y'all something. Has anybody ever done any form of shadowing? Like when you you're working with somebody so that you can learn from them, and you kind of imitate them? Actually, that's the way all kids learn. Imitation is a good way of learning. How can we imitate Christ? How can we take on the characteristics of Christ if we don't try to spend time with him? Maybe that's why we're acting more like desperate housewives than we are like Jesus. (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean to say that. My bad. (laughs) Wow. But the bottom line is we have to try to make this time for God. Let's go back to Pat real quick. Y'all remember Pat? All right. Now, Pat is not happy. Pat has a squiggly line here. That means Pat's not happy. And the reason why Pat's not happy is because Pat doesn't have a beautiful center. Right now, Pat, God, is like way out here for Pat. And so guess what? Pat doesn't know what to do. If Pat knew what to do, Pat would have fixed Pat's problems a long time ago. So why is Pat trying to be the center? We have to make... (laughs) We have to make spaces. The problem is that too often we try to put ourselves in the center and then we wonder why we can't get out of our problems. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit says the Lord. That's how the healing takes place. And here's the thing, once we put Jesus in the center, we we take this out and we put Jesus in the center, now we can start relieving ourselves from the rat race of despair. We must be able to create spaces where we can experience the beautiful center of the center. The more space that we break for God, it's almost like a glitch in the matrix. This whole matrix that's this crazy, it's like you create a glitch in it and you're able to see real clear for a second. And you're able to see the beauty of the Holy One. And then from, the, from being able to see the beauty of the Holy One, you're able to see how beautiful you are. We'll be able to remember the forgotten beauty that God has put in each and every one of us. Now, let me tell you something. There are tons of ways to do this God space thing. There's not one size fits all. It's like creating music. Anybody here a musician? The bottom line is music is very wonderful because it has structure and it has flow. That's how you can have a song like Jingle Bells and you can have a hip hop version. You can have a polka version. You can have a, you know, country version if you dig that kind of thing. Um, I love country for real. It's good. Uh, (laughs) But this, basically, you can have a unity of movement, but a, a diversity of styles, a different way of hearing things, a different way of seeing things. And that is the way focusing on connecting with God happens. Some people like it really, really quiet. Other people don't like it really, really quiet. Some people like being in nature. Some people like me are afraid of bugs and snakes. And so we stay inside. There's different ways... Of connecting with God. But there is one thing that is consistent in all of these ways. And the one thing that is consistent and is very important is the idea of being still. Being still, meaning being still in your spirit. Psalm 46 10 says, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See, what we don't understand is this world itself it's almost wired to keep our souls in anxiety it's wired to keep us thinking that we should be something else other than what God has created us to be it's wired to make us think that we really are just only for the money instead of really for the common good of our fellow man all of those kinds of things that are just wrapped up in us because we have so much noise being pounded at us all the time Christian left Christian right by this by that we have all of this noise Is it any wonder that our souls feel disquieted? Is it any wonder that we feel kind of out of place, like we're being talked at all the time? And the reason why is because we're not being still in our spirits. We need to carve out times where we are still before the holy God and say, God, show us who you are. Show us your glory. I want to share just a brief personal account about this. Um, I have been what I would call an armchair theologian, um, went to seminary, and so I like doing all this so-called high-minded theology stuff, books that people shouldn't even really probably care about. I don't know. But anyway, I really like thinking about philosophy and theology, and so I served God doing that, but there was always something missing. There was something, I couldn't put my finger on it. And I really enjoyed talking about theology and talking about the Bible, but there was still this joy, this peace, this something that wasn't really there. And sometimes I just came to myself and like, you know what? I wonder what would happen if I spent more time with God. Now this is the preacher saying, hey, why don't I spend more time with God? Duh. <laughs> so, I decided to spend more time with God basically because I am, have ADHD and I'm crazy like that. I have to literally sometimes just shut down all of the lights and just shut off all of the music and just say, God, I'm going to be still before you. And so at first it started off with doing this maybe just a couple of times a week. Then it started doing that more than a couple of times a week. Then soon I was doing it every day. Then soon I was doing it multiple kind of days. I am here to be a living witness to tell you that the presence of God, God speaking to you, is the most transformative power that you can ever experience in your entire life. The presence of God can heal things that man say are not possible, but with God, all things are possible. And I'm just here to tell you that his word is true. If you draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. His long is not afar off that he cannot reach where you are. Believe that, he is is not too far away that he cannot hear and attend to your heart. But we have to make space. Do y'all remember the the story back when it's like, you know, uh, I think Elijah was in the thing, and there was a big fire, but God wasn't in the fire, and there was a big wind, and God wasn't in the wind, there was a big earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake, but he was in the still, small voice. And it is that still, small voice that we have to try to listen for in this crazy, noisy world. So I want to give you three practical ways to do this. The first thing is sanctifying your happiness to God. God is a wonderful being. He created us to enjoy things. He created us to enjoy his beauty. And so from that, we experience this thing called happiness. Some things make people happy that wouldn't make me happy. Some people love ice fishing. There's been a couple of people say, hey, Dwayne, let's go ice fishing. I'm like, I don't know about that. (laughs) But they love it so they really enjoy it. They commune with nature. People that hunt, they commune with nature. Other people, they really just like eating new foods and stuff like that. And so whatever thing makes you happy, and I think there's something that makes all of us happy, whatever makes you happy, all you do is you just take a break and you say, Lord, I just want to thank you for giving me the ability to enjoy X." You just, you just take a little moment out of your day and you do this periodically when you're enjoying something. Like, sometimes I want a burger and I want it so bad and I get that burger and I take a bite and I'm like, Lord, thank you for the ability for me to enjoy this Whopper. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! But whatever it is, whatever gives you pleasure, whatever gives you joy, Give sanctify that thing to God because here's the thing not only do you make spaces you make that glitch in the matrix where you can hear from God but you begin associating God with positive things you begin associating God with hey when I'm dancing I'm dancing in the Lord and then you're able to give glory and thanks to God in all things when you're driving down the road and you feel cool driving in the lake, say God thank you for letting me drive in this light do you know what I'm talking about Whatever gives you joy, just sanctify that to God and say, God, I recognize that I would not have this without you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. That is what you're saying. And when you do that, you are worshiping God and you're creating that God space. So first thing, sanctifying your happiness to God. Second thing, asking Jesus to show you beauty. In our mobile society, there's a lots of times where we are going from here to there, whether we're walking, whether we're driving, whether we're riding some kind of transit, we're always in transit, we're always moving. So why don't we use some of that time? I know some people here might spend an hour in traffic. I don't see how you do it and don't gnaw your arm off. You just, you stay in traffic for hours at a time, okay? Now what would happen if we took some of that time and we said, Lord, instead of, instead of reading a book on the bus or instead of um, listening to the radio in the car, we turn all that off and we say, Lord, show me your beauty right now. Where's your beauty? What, what are you doing right now? I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm driving and I was frustrated, but Lord, bump all that for a second, show me your beauty. And you will be surprised what you see with this. Like usually, like if I'm going to the Mall of America, I'm going, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to the mall, not seeing anything else, I'm just going to the mall. And as I started doing this, I'm like, I noticed little things, like there's a little baby in the car, just, ah, I'm like, that's beautiful. <laughs> the guy on the side of me that's like flipping me off, that's beautiful, <laughs> he's beautiful. I would have never seen that beauty. And I not ask God, Jesus, show me your beauty. This dude's just like, and I'm like, you're beautiful. <laughs> this is a way, and here's the thing. As often as we drive or as often as we walk somewhere, as often as we ride, we can do this. Do you see how simple it is? And it really gives you an opportunity to just focus on God. So that's the, sec- that's the second thing. Third thing, love letters to God. I talked about this in our small group retreat. Um, basically, you just get like a post-it note or a piece of paper or something like that, and you just write a love letter to God, just saying, "God, I love you, I want to express my myself to you," and you write it on, on, on a piece of paper. Now here's the deal: A love letter is not this "I just love you so much, this is just an overwhelmingly positive thing. This is a love letter. I'm still upset for you for what you did last night, and you're still sitting on the couch, but I love you." That's a love letter. And another love letter is, I know you're still mad at me, but you're not getting that dress, but I still love you. (laughs) Those are love letters. Those are love. Those are letters that come from the heart of love that are dealing with somebody that they're lovingly engaged with. And so if you're at the point where you're saying, Lord, just thank you. You are so wonderful. I love you. Great. If you're at a point where you're saying, Lord, I'm still hurting. It's been years, but I'm not going to let you go. I still love you. That's a love letter. It's just coming from where you are. And then when you do it, you put it up somewhere where you might be able to see it. And then when you walk past that place, you look at the letter and then you just say it again. I guarantee you before long, you're gonna have post-it notes all over the place, but at least you will be thinking about God more. Do you see what I'm saying? All of these things are just training. It's just training to get our minds to understand this God space so that God can really remind us that we're beautiful. Right now we have models starving themselves because they can't just tell that they are beautiful just the way God created them. We have have just full of all these things that we're told is beautiful when the only person that can really tell us what's beautiful, we're not hearing from him. These are ways that we can do that. These are just a couple of options to keep you creating that space to connect you with your Father through the Spirit of Christ. It's a process. Not one size fits all. Not one person's better than another person. It's a process. But the sooner we start the process, the sooner that we can stop believing Satan's lies. And the sooner we start believing Satan's lies, that is the sooner that we actually demonstrate the love and the power and the character of God to the world. And that's what we're supposed to do, right? At the end of Lion King, he's just defeated Scar. And so... It's a long, hard road. He makes this stride up Pride Rock. It's raining. And he looks up at the cloudy sky and there's this break in the clouds. Y'all might remember the part I'm talking about. There's a break in the clouds and he sees the stars and he thinks about his father. And the voice is like, Remember. And whenever he hears that voice, he, he, just, like, he just like something erupts inside of him. And what does he do at that point? He roars. And when he roars, the lionesses, it's like people recognize things are becoming right with the world now. The king has taken the place that he was supposed to take, and now things are going to be right again. Things that were broken are going to be healed. Things that were messed up are going to be fixed because the person that was supposed to take reign is now taking reign. My brothers and sisters, we were created to be a royal priesthood. We were created to stride through this life. No matter what job we have, no matter what place that we have in society, we were meant to stride through this place anxiety free, giving love and giving honor and giving blessing to people and showing there is a God in heaven because you are receiving the love from him right now. It is past time we reclaimed our heritage. We have been freed from our slavery. Why are we trying to go back to Egypt? Let us dance in our freedom. Let us be in our freedom. We are the first fruits of a new humanity. We are the first fruits of a humanity that will not define themselves by what the world says, but they will only define themselves by the beauty that they know that God is. We are that people. And so I really believe that Jesus, the Holy One, wants us to shake off our amnesia it's like this, like right now the clouds are parting and he's saying, you know what? Wherever you are in life, you are more than what you've become. We are more than what we've become because we are kings and queens that have the seal of the Holy One on us. We should be able to stride through this life and basically say, in the name of Jesus, we will bring healing and we will bring restoration because that is who we are. Because we have been created that way. Do not believe the lies that tell people that you, that tell you that you are not beautiful. Anything that takes away that thought, take it away because God is beautiful, and God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. My brothers and sisters, let us shake off our amnesia. Let's remember what we've forgotten, and the, what we've forgotten is our own beauty. God has created us in His own beautiful image. Remember that. Take the time to create these spaces of solitude and silence with God. Because you can't do this without some form of solitude and some form of silence. You've got to get alone before God sometimes. You've got to be still and know these God. But when you do that, you will grow beyond where you could even imagine. Your, your relationships will grow. Your covenant group relationships will grow. And before you know it, you are going to be bringing people to Christ because they see the light of heaven on you. We were meant to create, we were meant to have that glory. Let's throw away the ashes, let's bring back the crown. Let's pray, Father. Actually, I'd, I'd like to do something. If we could just stand up. If we could stand up and link hands because I feel like this is something important. The person that is right of you and the person is next to you is unsurpassably beautiful. You are unsurpassably beautiful. If there is anything in your life that tries to give you a hint that you are not beautiful, take authority over in the name of Jesus and say, that's a lie. We are a body together. All of us have our individual perspectives, but all of us together can, it can create a force that can set this world on fire. And so we're going to pray right now. We're just going to pray that we take this, that we live this, and that we just spread the kingdom everywhere we go. Father, we just link hands right now, and we just say that we are beautiful ones because you are beautiful. It doesn't matter what mama told us. It doesn't matter what daddy told us. It doesn't matter what cousin told us. It doesn't matter what friends told us or what enemies told us. We are beautiful because you are beautiful. So we pray that you would just give us the grace, give us the power to do these practical things, Lord God, that from this moment forward that we would see ourselves in a new way. We no longer see things in human categories, but we only see things in your categories, Lord. And so as we walk out of here, Father, I pray that we would go with the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ, Father. Because you, It has been your predestined will that we be conformed to his image and yet be diverse. And in that, bring a unity that people have never seen on this planet before. Father, we just pray your blessings, and we pray that as a result of this word, we will never be the same. We see ourselves as beautiful. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.